0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, why put in all the effort to grow that Instagram following if you're just sending them to Airbnb? Like Airbnb is also a lead generating platform. So I think like because we have Google Analytics that tracks to our website, like I know that most of our traffic comes from Instagram. So that's just been a huge traffic driver for us. So might as well, you know, take out that that middleman, that middle service and just you know, book those guests directly and save them some money and save us some money.
1: Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at sponsaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Boozy Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Zach here. Okay, a quick announcement and a quick request before we dive into this show. First and foremost, the announcement. We have joined the Hospitality.fm podcast network. This is the largest collection of short-term rental guest experience and hospitality podcasts. And we're thrilled that we were invited to join just such an incredible cohort of leaders and innovators and entrepreneurs in the hospitality space. Thanks to Will Slickers, the founder of Hospitality FM, for the invitation to join their network. All right, and now the request. We want to know how to make the show better. So in the show notes below, there's a link. It's a link to a type form. And if you could be so kind as to go into the show notes uh, and complete the survey, it'll help us continue to make the show even better, customizing topics and, and whatnot around the things that you really want to hear about, right? We want to make the show as exciting, as dynamic, as interesting, and ultimately as, as educational as possible. And we can only do that if we know what you think about it. So if you scroll into the show notes below, for the whole month of January and February here, we're running this survey. If you could be so kind as to take just a few minutes to to give me your feedback I would so so greatly appreciate it again you can find the link to the survey in the show notes below or if you're having trouble accessing it for whatever reason send me an email zach zach at spawnstanius.com and I will get you a link thank you all so much for being here and really excited to continue to double down on the show and, and make it even greater all right folks enjoy today's episode In just a moment, you'll meet Addie Wales, the creator of the Ely Cabin Collective, a boutique collection of Airbnbs near the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in Minnesota. Growing up, Addie always wanted to be an entrepreneur. She remembers pitching her first business idea to her dad as a 10 year old, which was for an ice cream shop where the roof of the shop was shaped like an ice cream cone. In the fall of 2020, Addie got a call from her uncle about a 40 acre plot of land that was for sale, which included a charming, but quite dilapidated log cabin. Addie and her husband Ben made the four-hour drive from the Twin Cities to explore the opportunity further. And while they didn't know it at the time, this trip up north would be the start of a remarkable adventure. Tune in to hear the inspiring story of how Addie transformed that dilapidated cabin into the Ely Log Cabin, and how this renovation inspired them to launch the Ely Cabin Collective. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet All right, Addy. So it's five PM on a Friday night, and the "quote unquote" traditional work week has has come to an end. What is it that you are most likely doing? Are you are you gearing up for a night out? Are you lighting a candle and pouring yourself a drink? Are you burning the midnight oil? Where might we find Addy on a on a typical Friday night?
0: Well, I'm definitely not going out. Um I'm either working on one of my businesses or I'm working out with my husband. We really, really like to rock climb and I also teach yoga some nights. Um but I do not enjoy late nights going out. <laughs> I used to in college, but now I really love my sleep. So, I sometimes enjoy a casual game night with friends or I'll have friends over for dinner, but if I do, I'm kicking you out at nine PM so that I can go to sleep.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. You're you're my kind of person. It's my my wife is very much uh, a night owl and I'm like like I would love to go to bed at probably even like eight thirty every night and then wake up at like four forty five <laughs> and like start the day. Like that would be like my ideal schedule. <laughs> and it's this it's this constant like, you know, push and pull around what time, you know, we should go to bed and, and wake up and whatnot. So um, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm gonna have to tell her, hey, you know, Addie uh Addie does this and and her and her husband are very entrepreneurial. Like this is this is what we need to do. Maybe that'll convince her.
0: Yeah, maybe that schedule will work with the baby now, especially.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Although, yeah, his schedule is crazy. It's it's I don't even know what day <laughs> and, and time it is. It's it's nuts. Um but but on that <laughs> note, Addie, uh, have you always considered yourself entrepreneurial? Or or like when when did you first realize that? that you had an interest and and even a knack for building brands and, and businesses.
0: Yeah. So my dad is an entrepreneur and he always has been. So I remember discussing business ideas with him when I would ride in the car with him as a kid. And my first idea was that I wanted to open an ice cream shop in Ely, the town that I grew up in. And I wanted it to be unique. I wanted the roof to be shaped like a cone, but (laughs) I also, um, remember helping my uncle with his business growing up. He owned a classic photo, black and white photos that he sold online. And like, he was one of the first e-commerce businesses. Um, like he made his own word space. Yeah. Word, WordPress.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I know. Squarespace, WordPress, (laughs) you know, (laughs)
0: Um so I would work with him like starting at age 7 and just helping him with inventory and packing photos um a couple of hours after school um I also my claim to fame is dominating the Girl Scout cookie sales ah, each year. Okay, I sell okay. more cookies than any other girl.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, I uh I did something similar with popcorn for for Cub Scouts. Um, Ooh, we, I yeah. feel like I feel like Boy Scouts they did like popcorn and Girl the Girl Scouts they did cookies. Uh, one year, one year I was the best in my in my troop, but it sounds like you sounds like you, that was a consistent thing for you.
0: Yeah. When you think about it, it's kind of weird that they make kids sell that stuff, but I guess <laughs> it helped us learn some sales and marketing skills. So yeah, as long as I can remember, I've always been passionate about um, entre- being an entrepreneur and yeah. building businesses, even starting out small.
1: So what was then your your very first like business? Was it at what point in time, like you have this idea for an ice cream shop, right? Then you're helping your uncle here and there. you're you're hustling, uh, selling Girl Scouts. But at what point in time do you actually start your your very first business?
0: Yeah, so my very first business was in online tech. Um, right when COVID started, my friend who was an engineer, he called and he was like, so I think that like yoga teachers are gonna wanna start teaching classes online what do you think? Like I could build the app. You could do all the marketing and be our first teacher. So we tried that out, but that was really challenging because very quickly, a lot of the big tech companies also realized that it was a good (laughs) space to be in. Yeah. So we ended up um, closing that business. And then um, by September, 2020, I started with my first Airbnb.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay. That's, that's exciting. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's funny. I was talking to a, a couple of buddies recently who had sort of a, a similar story there where they were like, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to want to work out like virtually and, and at home. Like, let's build this thing. And then it, it's funny, like some people got pretty far and they poured a ton of money and time into it. And then it's like, you know, all of a sudden Peloton like really starts pushing its, you know, app or like mm-hmm. like the, the giants or like Orange Theory, uh, the Hit workout, right? The studio workout, they, they quickly pivot and they they pump out like these awesome, you know, uh, work from home videos. And so Harder for like the little guys to like break into the space, but like good thing like like the thinking was right, right? Like the thinking was yeah. there. It and and had you had a bunch of money behind you, you know, you, you your hustle probably would have helped you make it. But uh, but yeah. So so Airbnb. Okay. So is it, and your first Airbnb, um, you start in September twenty. Have you traveled much uh, on Airbnb? Like, was that your preferred place of of booking, or or what what sort of familiarity did you have with the platform?
0: Yeah, um, my husband and I love to travel frugally. So we started couch surfing, I think, right when we met eight years ago. Um, But then ever since then, in the last probably eight years, I always use Airbnb to book. I just I love having the full kitchen when I travel. Mm -hmm. And I love that you know, you can bring a whole group of friends and you can all stay together. And it just, it just feels more homey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I was telling you this um, when we briefly chatted um, earlier this week, but my wife and I lived full-time on Airbnb for like a year and a half. And um, one of the things that I I have recently, or I guess earlier in 2022, I started traveling a lot again for work um, and I was staying in hotels again. Like I just, like after being, a year after spending a year and a half staying in like homes or like cool apartment buildings and whatnot with kind of full amenities, staying in a hotel, even like a nicer one, it's just it's just a totally different experience. Like not being able to go and like. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or make yourself a quick, you know, omelet or something like that, um, rather than having to spend like $12 on the hotel's omelet, right, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's just it, even when given the option today, I, I, you know, it's still, still lean towards uh, a, a short term rental, Um, which is so funny because previous to COVID and previous to this kind of a, this journey, while I had stayed in a plethora of Airbnbs, I still, I still liked the experience of, of the hotel. Hmm. <laughs> So I want to hear the story behind the Ely Cabin Collective. Like where, where does the story start? So you mentioned in September 2020 you opened, you, you started your first Airbnb, but but where did where does the story of, of your business really start? And and then also kind of like what what did that first chapter look like?
0: Yeah. So in September 2020, my uncle called us and he told us to come and look at this beautiful off-grid log cabin. That was for sale near his own off-grid log cabin homestead, so that he built himself. Okay. Um, so we drove up from the Twin Cities. We live about four hours away from Ely, and Ely is in northern Minnesota. It's um it's one of the two entry points to the Boundary Waters Canoe area wilderness. So it's a very popular tourist town, especially in the summer, but also it has a ton of a ton to offer in the winter. But the first chapter of our story was a renovation and the upgrading of Ely Log Cabin. So we basically turned a hunting shack into this luxurious off-grid nature retreat. We added a solar system, a septic system, a well, a bathroom, a kitchen, and so much more. So my dad and uncle were both a huge help for us and they were able to share all of their experience with us. And But my husband and I also learned a lot of these <laughs> skills during the process, which was really fun. And then the collective grew this year with the addition of two new cabins. So the dovetail log cabin, it was on our land. It was on the same land as Ely Log Cabin. Okay. Um, It's a hundred year old log cabin and we renovated it. And then our third cabin, um, we purchased a new piece of land nearby. And that one is a brand new modern cabin build. So it's a totally different vibe, but... Um, it'll serve the same type of guests, the people who love nature and they love to travel with their dog and they like those modern comfort comforts and yeah. those little luxuries and thoughtful touches. So
1: on that note, uh, one, of, one of the things I'm always like, I always admire people that have like built things, you know, from the ground up or done major renovations themselves during, during the process, Addy, like, did you like what, I guess, I guess in terms of like pieces of advice, right? If you were to do it again, are there are there certain things that you wish you had like hired out that you guys did yourselves and were things that you realized, you know what, we thought we were gonna have to hire this out. We but we actually like figured it out and we actually did a you know pretty decent job.
0: Yeah, honestly, I mean I wish I could have hired everything out because (laughs) (laughs) it's really challenging when you live four hours away and you work a full-time job and you can only go up on the weekends. But also, I'm really thankful that I learned all of the skills, and I think it just makes me all that more appreciative of the space, and it makes me um, a better host because I'm like more able to like help the guests if they have questions about anything. Yeah. Um. And it's also hard to hire some of those things out in a small town. Like, I think Ely has maybe one guy that does solar, but he's like 75, and it's getting hard for him. So. We were lucky enough to have a friend from the Twin Cities who came up with us like four times and helped us build our solar system. Huh. Um, but if there's ever anything wrong or it needs troubleshooting, it's you know hard to convince him to come up and do that because he has a family and a full-time job in the Twin Cities. So I think if like if we had the money, it would have been great to hire all that out to professionals. But, you know, we learned a lot. And I think... I think it's been really fun, too, so.
1: Hey, guys, Zach here. So over the last year, I've interviewed over 50 short-term rental investors that are building portfolios of all shapes and sizes on this podcast. I've spoken with hosts that have 70,000 followers on Instagram, which is one vacation rental, STR investors that are building niche hospitality brands with a target of 10 to 20 units, and also with property managers that oversee hundreds of units. As such, I receive questions all the time from listeners who want to get started in STR investing and or who want to scale their portfolio on what resources I recommend that they tap into. And here are three reasons I always recommend they check out an AirDNA subscription. First off, AirDNA offers the most accurate data platform in the industry and is trusted by small and large-scale investors across the globe. Second, their easy-to-use tools unlock access to millions of data points on any property, anywhere. And third, you can enter any address in the world to find out how much you'd earn as a vacation rental. Pretty cool, huh? So if you're interested in getting into the STR game, or if you're interested in taking your game a bit more seriously, I've got some exciting news for you. AirDNA is giving Behind The Stays listeners 20% off their first three months of any MarketMinder subscription or an additional 20% off any annual MarketMinder subscription. You can use the discount code BTS20, BTS is not Behind The Stays 20, at checkout. Oh, and if you don't listen to it already, I highly recommend that you tune into the STR Data Lab, which is a podcast hosted by Jamie and Mariah, the VPs of research and marketing at AirDNA. It's a super badass show and it's one of my favorites in the industry. All right, as soon as this episode is over, be sure to check out AirDNA's MarketMinder subscription and use the discount code BTS20 when you're ready to dive in. What, what What's like one or two things that people like might not expect that go into sort of building an off-grid cabin that that does like that's like a crucial part of building at least the kind of experience that that you all decided to build
0: yeah so when you're going with the solar system every single utility matters so um if you're getting your energy from the sun it's not unlimited especially if you have multiple days that aren't sunny um and especially if you live in the northern hemisphere so Each and every item in the cabin draws power and we have to, you know, have a solar system that's large enough to handle all of that output. So for example, we opted to have a propane powered refrigerator. So we've done a lot of research on some different alternative options um, and that allows us to save our precious solar power for um, other things that we want in use. Um, We also don't have a microwave or a coffee pot. Instead, we have guests use a French press or a pour over. Um, so I would recommend like sitting down and calculating how much power you're going to use and how much you need and make sure that your system is big enough to handle it. Yeah. And like, especially just plan it out and have every single thing in your space be intentional. Um, but I think our guests like really appreciate the more minimalist vibe and it kind of adds to that experience of being off grid and like they feel like they're having a more intentional vacation and they enjoy slowing down and unplugging and having less like less is more so yeah
1: yeah this is a really dumb question um but <laughs> when you say solar system are are we just talking like solar panels or like what beyond like panels like what 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 is a solar system
0: yeah so the system includes the panels and that's what um collects the sun but then it connects to an inverter okay and it connects to batteries okay. so the inverter, um, converts the power into like usable AC, like, like typical usable power. And then the batteries store the power. So like the batteries, if you have, if you have decent batteries, you can store power for days without having sun.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. And you and your husband just like learned all this and, and, and put it, Put it to work wait like th- how, how did you learn like were, were you guys just like youtubing every night were you reading a bunch of blogs podcasts like what i guess what was your information diet during this time
0: yeah so our friend is an expert and he was like the brains behind our solar system but yes youtube was a huge help there is some different blogs online that um help you calculate like your power usage um yeah so internet and just having a really smart friend.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The thing, every time I meet people like you, Addy, I'm just like, dang, like, I just, I wish, I wish I had the patience for something like this. I feel like <laughs> for me, it's like if and when I were to do something like this, I would have to just like have enough cash to be able to hire it all out because I'm like, even if I could figure it out, like the amount of time it would take, like, I'm just not a patient person. So I just, I, I don't, I don't know that I <laughs> could do it. Like, did, did it stretch you and and and, and, and did, like, did you have to grow in, a, in an abundance of patience? I mean, you seem like a naturally curious person already, but like, talk like be real. Was it was it like way more work than you thought? Was it just about as much work as you thought? H- how do you how do you like reflect on that on that season?
0: Yeah, I think it was way more work than we originally thought, and especially when you're trying to squeeze it into the weekends, mm. um it can be exhausting. And like for those first two years, when every time we went up to the cabin, like. Like we bought it to be our vacation home, right? And then it was never a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> when we yeah. went up there. It was always just more like really hard manual labor and then go back to the city and, you know, sit at the computer and do our regular jobs during the week. So that was definitely exhausting during yeah. during the build out period. But it's getting it's getting better and better. Um now when we go up to Ely Log Cabin, the list of chores to do gets a lot shorter and <laughs> Um, with the dovetail log cabin restoration, we hired that out to my brother-in-law. Um, we helped a little bit, but he was like the main, the main person. And then with the Aurora modern cabin, we hired a builder as well. Um, that cabin is almost so close to being done and we're doing some of the finishing touches, but yeah, way less, uh, work from us.
1: Yeah. This time around, yeah, yeah. So, so you're already hinting at sort of how you've how you all have grown, and and I wanna I wanna talk about that because one of the questions I get a lot from folks is, you know, how do you know like when it's time to work on your next cabin, right, or, or work on your next stay? And obviously, it's it's different for everybody, um, but. How did you guys know that it was time to start renovating the dovetail cabin? Like, did that happen simultaneous to what you were uh, to to kind of the restoration of the Ely cabin? Like where uh, at what point? In, like, talk to us a little bit about, about the timeline here.
0: Yeah. So the dovetail log cabin, it was already on our 40 acres, the same land as Ely log cabin. Um, so it was just it was transported there by the previous owner and okay. it was just being used as a woodshed. Um, so we knew immediately that like it had so much more potential and we wanted to do something special with it because it's a really cool historic log cabin and it seemed like a waste to just let it sit there and yeah. fall into disrepair. Like yeah. the roof was falling apart. Um, so we just needed like time to, s- we needed time to save up money for the renovation. Um, so we ended up renovating it in May of 2022. So that was almost two years after wow okay. we purchased our first cabin um yeah
1: so that was just yeah it was just this past may that you that you guys started doing it do you do, uh, what in terms of kind of like how you budgeted for for the reno like did you guys how, how like what did you use to help calculate what that what that might cost and again you waited I guess, I guess a couple years to to execute that execution that renovation excuse me um how did how did you know how much to save <laughs> and like how did you know it was time to do it
0: Yeah, we had no idea because we thought that all it needed was like some stain and some new doors. (laughs) But then we actually got a quote from our brother-in-law because he's a builder and he's like, nope, you need a brand new roof. Oh,
1: gosh. The So
0: (laughs) that was definitely added up a little little more than we originally expected. Um, He gave us a pretty good quote. Uh, he said it would be around ten thousand dollars, and he tried to stay within that, but I think it went a little bit over, which yeah. is frustrating. It always does. You, it
1: always does, doesn't it? It always goes a little up, bit over. <laughs>
0: up, you just keep swiping your card yeah. and <laughs> watch it add up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, uh, what an exciting, what an exciting time. So, so that that happens, and then at what point in time? Do you start cogitating on the idea of the idea for the the Aurora? You said it's called the Aurora cabin. That's the that's the latest cabin, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we named it after Aurora Borealis, the northern lights. Because yeah. Ely is known for having really dark skies and if you're lucky, you're able to see the northern lights. So we put a skylight in um facing the north for our guests.
1: Yeah. Wow, oh, that's beautiful. Gosh. I, I bet it's gonna be incredible once it's, once it's live. So how do you how did you determine the, the sort of like individual brand for each of these these spaces? Because again, I think one of the questions for folks who are building, especially if you're building kind of on the same plot of land or at least like in the in the same region, I'm sure it can be tempting to just kind of like rinse and repeat, right? Like clone what we know. Hey, we know how to like restore this cabin. Let's just go find another couple older cabins with lots of character and rinse and repeat, so to speak, right? But, but you all have done uh, kind of three totally like unique, spaces and experiences how did you come to that decision and how did you think through how and why each of these spaces would would both look and and feel different
0: yeah we played with a ton of different ideas originally we wanted to have a ton of cabins on our original 40 acres okay but when we looked into it we found out that that it's like zoned residential so that wasn't going to be legally possible to rent out a bunch of different spaces separately um so ever since the beginning we wanted all of the spaces to be unique like that was kind of always part of it and i i knew that that would be the easiest and the best way to brand each of them as a unique experience um so for now i've kept the ely log cabin instagram um i think people have a a special connection to that original log cabin and like they love taking it like i think the ely cabin collective just feels a little less personal and a little less unique um because there's a lot of different cabin collectives out there yeah yeah um but i i want that overarching brand and like people will be able to expect um you know like they're getting the same guest experience at all of the cabins so they'll find consistent elements across them um like we're really big on finishing touches and all the little details like the things that anyone can implement but most airbnbs don't actually put in the effort um So some of the examples that we like to do are lavender pillow mist Mm. and fresh locally roasted, um, custom coffee blend. And we like to feature local artists in our cabins. And we even have like a custom coloring page that was made by an artist of our cabin. And people can do that when they're sitting around at the cabin. Um, we provide s'mores kits Mm. and we have a, we have a trail map and, um, there's some out, out the door hiking on our 40 acres. So, um, we also love to offer amenities to help people get outside. So, in the winter, we provide snowshoes and there's a snowman building kit. And then <laughs> in the summer, we have a canoe and we have a picnic kit and a hiking backpack and frisbee and bikes and bug spray and like everything you need. So, no matter which cabin the guests stay at, like they can always um guarantee that they only need to pack their clothes and they'll have a comfortable and relaxing stay because we take care of everything else. Yeah. Um, and we really love to go above and beyond and make sure that they have an extremely comfortable yet a very authentic nature experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, sounds like it. I think that this is the first time I've heard of a, a snowman building kit being yes. included in a short term rental, which is which is wonderful. I love I love the creativity there. That's what that's what gets me going. That's what gets me super super pumped about this space. Um, <laughs> I, I want to circle back to Instagram for a second because I think one of mm-hmm. the th- one of the challenges too for for many folks is once they've built up a following for kind of that first cabin right or that that first property, and then they want to venture out it is sort of like hard to determine, okay, do we kind of rebrand the original handle to just be the handle for the collective? Do we start a new handle? Like you know, will will people get upset that like we've grown and it's no longer, you know, what it was in its early days? Like how how did you think through that? And and ultimately like how did you come to the decision to to keep the uh the original handle but then start a new handle for the collective? I don't believe you have handle individual handles for the Dovetail Cabin or uh the Aurora Cabin, right? So th- those are all sort of That's wrapped correct. into into the collective's uh, uh, handle. So how did how did you think through that?
0: Yeah. Um. I honestly, it was a really tough decision. I didn't know what exactly was the right thing to do. I thought about changing the handle of the Ely Cabin Collective, but then I was like, no, like I think people like really feel a connection to this log cabin. Um. And, you know, I could have posted other cabins on the log cabin one, but then it like didn't really make sense in my mind because they're not all log cabins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for now I'm managing two handles and... I think like my plan is to make most of the content on the Ely Cabin Collective. And I actually love that Instagram Instagram allows that collaboration feature now between yeah. two um, different content creators. Cause then I can easily just invite Ely Cabin Collective or, I can invite the log cabin to be a collaborator (laughs) if it's a post that has to do with the log cabin. And then if not, I don't need to do that. And then that log cabin feed still lives on in case guests want to tag that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I like that. I think that that's like this. This is like so difficult for people to to figure out. And I don't think that there's a there's like a right solution here. It really kind of just comes down to what do you think makes most sense given given your context. But. But I do imagine that it's it's tempting to just want to take the you know thousands of followers that you've already generated and uh, just rope them into kind of a, a handle that's a little bit more comprehensive for for the future uh, and not just associated with with sort of the past. But and quite frankly, it's it's hard to manage. Like it, you know, spinning up a handle for each cabin. I'm sure you also thought about that that's that's a lot of work right Four mm-hmm. four different you know three different whatever it is and there are three different for the cabins and then one for the collective like it's it's an incredible you'll spend all of your time managing social media that you don't want time <laughs> for anything else right so these yeah. decisions are, are so hard for folks but but you know so so important to think through uh thoroughly to make sure that you're making the right decision for you yeah hey guys it's zach if you're enjoying this episode could you do me two very quick favors First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a 5-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder, that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So I want to talk about direct bookings cuz one of the things that I'm super passionate about for for hosts especially those that, that have spent so much time like building their brands doing incredible work in in marketing their their spaces it always not not that it makes me sad but I'm like when when you when, when the link in their bio is their Airbnb listing right and like they're booked out like up the wazoo it's like hey you you've done the hard work you've built a brand for yourself like why not why not you know spin up sort of a direct booking option at the very least right and a lot of folks don't want the headache or it just it just seems too cumbersome or that's not their skill set or whatever it is but as I'm sure you've learned, you can make a lot more money booking directly when you don't have to uh, work through work through Airbnb or another another OTA so Talk to us a little bit about how you've approached your direct booking strategy, and I understand that you're at about 50% direct bookings right now, so Mm -hmm. how how did you think through this, and how did you get started, and and talk to us a little bit about kind of like where where you're at with direct bookings, how you feel about them at this particular moment in time.
0: Yeah, um, at first it did seem pretty intimidating, but... Uh, there's another podcast that I like to listen to. The Thanks for Visiting. Oh ah, yes,
1: they're great, Annette yeah, and Sarah. Yeah. yeah,
0: those ladies recommended. It, like they've always been, you know, advocating for direct booking. So pretty early on, I think I think it was well over a year ago. I decided to start doing it, and I mean, it just it takes a little bit of work to get set up. But I went with Logify, and they have amazing customer service. Like. They sit with you and set everything up. And anytime you have any question, like you can message them and they'll respond like the most helpful response right away. So I've had a great experience with them. And at this point, I'm so glad I did it because I didn't even know this back then. But Airbnb completely deletes all of your history, all of your guest messages and history in three months. And with direct booking, that's not the case. Like I I have... Access to all of my guests' contact info, like emails and phone numbers, and a lot of them have joined our email list as well. So I'm able to reach out and connect with them. And now that we have a second and a third cabin, you know they can continue to be repeat guests. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I I feel like especially if you're committed to building a brand, and this is what I say when folks ask. I'm like, like if you don't want to, if you don't want to do the work of like. Building a cool Instagram uh account and or building a, you know, a custom website or whatever it is. If that if that stuff is just like not exciting to you or fun to you, then don't worry about direct bookings. But if that mm-hmm. stuff is fun, and is that if that is exciting to you and if you're if you're good at it and getting traction, this is an incredible strategy to to at least add to add to the mix. Um, especially again, once you start building loyalty. I I I've told the story on this podcast before, but like one of my favorite places that my wife and I stayed was in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine, at this awesome cottage called the Sparrow's Nest. Um, and we've become very good friends with the the hosts, uh, Susie and Neil. And you know, we booked through Airbnb, kind of our, our very first stay there. But since then, we've stayed three or four times um, since, and and it's all been direct. Um, and uh, we had to explain to uh, uh, the hosts, who they're just absolutely incredible, but they're not very, they're a little older and not very tech savvy. they are like, hey, Susie, here's how you like should think about direct booking strategies and do you know that like you can make more money if you do it this way and like and, and right with guests that you've already vetted through Airbnb can be incredibly helpful to vet the right people right but once mm-hmm. you've you've met them and you've become friends or they're they're great people um why not save them a little bit of money and and you a little bit of and you know uh, help you make a little bit more money and it' it doesn't have to be that complicated right um but it but it can be scary especially if um if you're not necessarily interested in building a brand.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, why put in all the effort to grow that Instagram following if you're just sending them to Airbnb? Like Airbnb is also a lead generating platform. So I think like because we have Google Analytics that tracks to our website, like I know that most of our traffic comes from Instagram. So that's just been a huge traffic driver for us. So might as well, you know, take out that, that middleman, that middle service, and just you know book those guests directly and save them some money and save us some money.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, on that note, so what do you think you could do? Is there is there any marketing strategy or or, or set of tactics that you think you could implement to increase from fifty to seventy five percent direct bookings? Or do you do you kind of feel like you've you've tapped out at fifty percent?
0: Um. Yeah, I think. I think that'll just come with time, yeah. um, especially as our audience grows and our demand grows. Um, I mean, I think maybe one option could be to open up booking to direct first before we open up those dates on Airbnb. Mm. Um, that's what I've actually done. I've done like a pre-booking round for the Aurora Modern Cabin and via our email list and our Instagram, I've already booked several guests and I haven't even like thought about opening our calendar on Airbnb yet. So. I think yeah, I think it'll just come with time.
1: Yeah, that, that's a that's a super smart strategy, especially like if you're committed to building that email list, right? And you're committed to building some sort of like insider club or like you know uh, some sort of community, right? Around around the space for your most dedicated and most loyal guests. Offering something like, hey, we're gonna open up dates four weeks before uh, to you all before we open it up on Airbnb. One, you'll hopefully increase your email subscribers, and then two, it's just it's just an added benefit to quote unquote like joining your all's community.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about how you have thought about the the parent brand, right? Um, the Ely Cabin Collective. Like, wh- what's what's like the vision? Are, are is the hope? Hey, we want ten to twenty cabins, and we want to be known as like the preferred destination in all of Ely. Like, as you think, as you think about like growth for for your company right? For the, for the, for the collective, where's your mind at these days?
0: Um, I think we'll have slower growth. I don't see us as having 10 to 20. Um, cause I also want to be mindful about, you know, like saving some for the rest of the people. Cause Ely is starting to implement, you know, some of those, um, rules and regulations yeah. and putting <laughs> limits on how many Airbnbs are allowed. Like a lot of communities are doing. Um, So I think it'll be a lot slower. Um, This new piece of land that we bought, it's 22 acres. This is where we built the Aurora Modern Cabin. Um, That has potential to have up to four cabins. Okay. So if I have enough stamina, uh, we can slowly grow it over time as long as the demand keeps up. But um, we did already clear the site and install the well and septic for the cabin number two. So sometime in the next year or two we will start building the second modern cabin on the new acreage and then that'll bring us to four cabins and we'll see we'll see if the demand is there i know like there's definitely been this huge burst of short term rental usage during covid so you know i want to make sure that we don't get into too risky of a financial yeah. situation and see how things level out over the next couple years
1: yeah yeah do you guys manage everything by yourselves like are you doing all guest communications and are you you know uh, you mentioned you had a full-time marketing job you and your husband also own a co-working space that's like fitness focused you were just right before we hopped on you were teaching a yoga class like how the heck do you like do all this stuff like what uh, like how uh, talk to us a little bit about how you how you manage uh all of your little enterprises
0: Yeah. So currently I'm doing all the guest messaging. I'm huge on auto messaging and like I have all of my systems in place. So it's really not that much day to day. Um, But I mean, so far it's only been one cabin. So we'll see this upcoming summer. We'll have three cabins running. We'll see if I need to hand off some of that guest messaging and the cleaner management. I think cleaner management actually takes up the most time of anything, even though our cleaner is amazing, but it's just like getting all the scheduling straight. Um, you know, it can just be more of a day-to-day time suck. Yeah. So um, as we grow, I- I'm definitely open to the idea of handing off a couple of those things, um, which might be hard for me because I really love, like, I love being involved and I love having that interaction with guests. So we'll we'll just see how things go here as we... <laughs> as we grow i mean i'm definitely aware that my time is limited and it can be spent you know it can be better spent in certain areas um i just started doing some really part-time consulting for other upcoming hosts who want to build their own off-grid place um or maybe need help building their own brand so that's definitely where i would rather be spending my time yeah, more yeah. usefully
1: yeah yeah i feel like that's like that is what is so hard. Everyone, everyone I talked to on this podcast that that is good at what they've done and like have have they've built like this cool little hospitality brand and it's growing and whatnot. It's like. The, the idea of letting go of like even a little bit of control right like is 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 terrifying right because you've, you've mm-hmm. invested so much of your time and your blood sweat and tears into into building this experience and you hand off messaging and somebody sends like a you know message without a, an exclamation point or with a, the wrong <laughs> emoji right and like all of a sudden like it it, it hurts your brand <laughs> reputation uh that much but as you well know as an entrepreneur yourself right yeah uh, if you if, if scale is is at all in the cards, right? Uh, finding ways to delegate is is absolutely crucial. Um, yeah, yeah. Addy needs to absolutely. do the thing that you know that only Addy can do. Um, <laughs> but I I want to I want to ask about um, how the how how the collective has performed from an investment standpoint so one of the things that i like to ask folks that come on the show is you know from an outsider's perspective right everything's like wow like these people have built like a, a really cool instagram account like they built these cool brands they're expanding they're growing like um and I always like to ask folks to share a little bit about how from an investment standpoint their their collective uh and or you know their, their single home has has performed thus far is it above expectations pretty on par with your expectations below expectations?
0: Yeah. Honestly, I didn't have a ton of expectations starting out with one cabin. I thought of it as more of a way to subsidize the mortgage of our yeah. vacation home. Yeah. But then just being myself, it ended up turning into a business <laughs> right away. <laughs> um, so I've you know, I've had a P&L for the last two years and I would say like we made a lot more revenue than I expected, but we also had way more expenses <laughs> yeah. than I expected. Yeah. Um yeah so we only have data for one cabin right now but that's about to change soon and I'll be really curious to see how it plays out when we have multiple cabins I think um we might be able to share a lot of those expenses across many cabins and that'll help.
1: Yeah yeah and being so early too it's sort of like no one expects you know an investment to pay off in its first year or two right especially an investment like this. So um that's that, that that's great like that's encouraging though. Last-minute cancellations suck, and that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. What do you use like to to track your expenses and or like you talked a little bit about like systems that you have in place. Are there are there two or three sort of systems that you've that you figured out that are like absolutely crucial to like managing your, your business? And if so, what are they?
0: Yeah. So I just use an Excel spreadsheet and I have it all pretty organized, um, tracking all of the revenue and all of the expenses. I pull a monthly download report from Logify and that breaks out, um, the revenue across channels. So that's how I know what percentage is coming from direct booking. Um, and then I have an accountant and, he's great. He like helps us, you know, make sure that we're maximizing all of our tax deductions, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I keep it pretty simple.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's encouraging too. Cause I, I do think it's, it's oftentimes simpler than people think it is. Right. Um, it's really more about getting to the practice, uh, or, and we're getting some help establishing sort of like a baseline or a template or a framework, but, but it's actually like, uh, you know, at, at this stage, at least, um, maybe if you're managing hundreds of units, it might be a little bit more complicated. But like at this stage, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more doable than I was talking to somebody recently. And they're just like, I just I, I'm scared that I'm going to like mess something up or that like, I'm not going to like categorize things appropriately. And I'm like, you know, there are a lot of tools and solutions out there that that make this like pretty simple. Uh, even if you know, folks are, aren't comfortable using Excel. It's like there's zillions of apps that help with this kind of stuff if, if you're not an Excel person.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I've been really diligent about tracking our receipts and our expenses. I know there's a couple of apps that you can use for that. They have small monthly fees, but that's been so helpful in giving us all those extra deductions at the end of the year. And that we don't have to pay so much in taxes. So yeah. That's one of the nice parts about owning real estate.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, I feel like uh, the temptation is like, oh, I'll just remember, I'll just remember. And then it's like, no, like <laughs> it's been a year. Like you, yeah. you, know, you, have a lot of you have a lot of things that just creep up on you. If you, if you're not diligent about tracking these expenses, you're going to pay later. Um, so yep. what you mentioned that you are doing some consulting now for folks that want to get started in, in building their own off grid cabins. Um. Talk to us a little bit about how you'd like to continue to leverage, I'll just say like Addie's brand uh, in, in, in this community. Like is the goal or is, is, is it a desire of yours to be able to do this full time? Are you, do you not really want to do this full time? Like where, where's your mind at with respect to your, your kind of personal growth uh, as an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, I do see myself working for myself full time. Um, maybe that's, five or 10 years out. Yeah. We really have to see, um, especially with our co-working business, we have to see, you know, when we start profiting there as well um, and make sure that that's a sustainable business for my husband because he's doing that full time. But yeah, I mean, I've always felt like an entrepreneur and been very entrepreneurial. So I, I would love to start increasing those consulting calls and, you know, maybe eventually quit my full-time marketing job
1: yeah yeah that's exciting gosh i i can't believe you're doing all of this stuff this is it's just like <laughs> it's it's unbelievable um it's couple, fun <laughs> yeah yeah no it is fun and honestly like as, as somebody who also likes to have his hands in like a bunch of different things i i find that that actually makes me better like if, if i just have one thing to focus on i tend to like be really bad at it or i tend to like be (laughs) really lazy in getting it done whereas if i have like 20 things that i'm like bouncing between like i'm i'm incredibly efficient and so i I do i do find that um a lot of entrepreneurs like are the same right uh you kind of want your hands in a lot of different things at least for a season before you can really drill down and dig deep into one Mm -hmm. so a couple final questions for you addy one is just around as as you think about words of wisdom for folks who are just starting out right like young folks that that want to get into this uh quote-unquote game they are interested in building something like what you've built and or you know they're interested in in getting into the cabin space um and and building their own cabin or restoring a log cabin what are like one or two pieces of advice that you wish you had had going into this project
0: yeah i would say if you're looking for a cabin in a small town or a rural area like really find locals like maybe start with a place where you know people or like especially if you know a realtor or just start talking to realtors just start asking around ely has a facebook group it's called what's up ely um people are super helpful in there so yeah because we found our deal through my uncle Mm. um, before before it even went to market so if you're looking for a good deal Just lean into the local community, and it's also super helpful just having all those local connections because if if you're going to be a remote host, then then there's people that you can lean on when something inevitably goes wrong and you're four or more hours away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's that's wonderful advice. I I love the advice specifically about if you're if you're interested in sort of like just starting out, finding a community. Where you you at least know one or two people already. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's in, that's incredibly important. Um, and then as you as you think about sort of where we're at, right in 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 this in this sort of like moment of travel and and hospitality, there's been radical change, right? Like COVID obviously was was an incredible disruptor for many people. Folks can kind of many folks, anyways, can can live and work wherever still to this day. Um, how, any sort of like uh, hot takes or predictions or or thoughts on on the future of of travel and or and or hospitality,
0: yeah. I mean, I've seen booking slow down just a tiny but a tiny bit in the last couple months. But I think as long as you have your own brand and you have a unique stay and you are able to market that, then you will still do awesome in the short term rental industry. Um, I think people, people just really love unique stays and they want their vacation to be memorable Hmm. and there will, there will always be people who will be able to afford a vacation. So as long as you make it extra special and memorable and they want to tell their friends about it, then it will be perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. Ah. Gosh, Addie, this has been a blast. I really uh, am appreciative of your time and and what you've done in in this space. Uh, we'll drop your Instagram handle, uh, handles, excuse me, uh, and your website <laughs> and all your all the fun stuff in the show notes below. So if you are interested in connecting with Addie and or just exploring more about her Cabin Collective, um, just scroll on down to the show notes and we'll have the Instagram handles and her website below. Addie, thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been a real treat.
0: Thanks for having me, Zach. It was really fun to talk to you.
1: Hey, friends. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's Cheap Flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.